Welcome to the G3X Conversations, a free program from the Gineshi Center for Nonprofits at California State University Fullerton's College of Business and Economics. That's always a mouthful. Today, we're going to get into the PPP 2.0, the idle loan extension, the COVID relief grant second round. And I just found out that the shuttered venue operations grant is not quite up to snuff, but hopefully he'll give us a little update on that. So my hero and yours, Mike Daniels, with his guest, Craig, are going to tell us all about it. Mike Daniel is the regional director of the Orange County Inland Empire SBDC Network, which assists aspiring entrepreneurs and current business owners throughout Orange, San Bernardino, Riverside counties. Mike was formerly the director of the SBDC office at Long Beach City College from 2010 to 2015. He's a business owner and entrepreneur himself. Started his career first with uh, owning the Rocky Mountain Chocolate Factory in Manhattan Beach and went on to a second location in Long Beach. And now he owns Sugar Daddy's Sweet Shop in Long Beach's Shoreline Village. He's a sweet guy and a friend of, of the Gianeshi. Thank you, Mike, and take it away. Welcome to 501c3BS busting the myths of the social sector and deprogramming you for organizational growth. Brought to you by the Gianeshi Center for Nonprofit Research at California State University Fullerton College of Business and Economics, celebrating our 25th anniversary year in 2021. I'm Zoot Velasco, director of the Gianeshi and your host for this podcast journey. Perfect. Thanks, Zoot. That's a great uh, lead-in. You know, no pressure. We, we work with Zoot out of Cal State Fullerton, so we, we run the Small Business Development Center Network. Um, so Craig and I are going to walk you through all the programs, really the federal disaster programs, and I'll, roughly, or I'll briefly go into the, the state of California's relief grant as well that's available for nonprofits, but um, just a little background of our program. So we are funded and supported by the, by the Small Business Administration, and so our job pre-COVID was really to help people start, grow, and possibly even exit out of their business successfully. Um, with COVID, it's really to get a grasp and understanding of IDLE, then Paycheck Protection Program rolled, rolled, rolled into this, and then all the other, you know, municipality grants, local grants, city, you know, whatever might, might be there. And so we have a team of about 100 consultants. We are all business owners and business experts, uh, and we're here to help you. Great part is, you know, our service doesn't cost you anything. It's already been funded by the federal and the state government. Um, we are not government officials, which is a good thing. So we don't wear suits and ties and, you know, Craig maybe, but I don't. Um, I don't even know Craig has shoes on at this moment, but, you know, it is what it is. Um, so we're here. We're going to walk you guys through the PPP second draw. And then we'll also answer any questions. If you didn't receive the first draw and you have some questions about what that is, because there's some slight differences between the two. We'll go into the idle and the idle advance of what that is for a nonprofit. And then we'll get into the California Relief Grant. I'll just briefly update you guys on shuttered venues because that is still, that's a brand new program still being built. So with that, I'm going to introduce Craig Russum, who is our lead on PPP. And, you know, he understands everything probably better than, than the SBA does. Um, and then after we're done with this, if you still need help, we can help you one-on-one with your, with your business or nonprofit through this. So with that, let me turn it over to Craig and he'll start going through the PPP and then we'll go from there. Welcome everyone. Good afternoon again, Craig Russell from the Orange County Inland Empire SBDC. I happen to, to run the, the finance team and you know, because of COVID, our relationship with the SBA and, and the state, you know, we were tasked per, pretty early on to try and assist and help where we can in getting the information out uh, you know, re- regarding these programs and stuff. So 
Um, for better, for worse, I've been in on this thing since you know March of last year, which is crazy to think. Um, and if anything that we've learned about this program is that uh, it seems to change uh, hourly or daily. You know, it depends on some interpretation. Quite honestly, you know, you read through uh, the original CARES Act and um, you know subsequent uh, bills and programs and stuff. It um, some of it's being made up on the fly, you know, and some of it's we're kind of learning as it goes. Some of it really is lender interpretation uh, to the rules and each lender is playing by their own set of internal rules and, and how they're going to process applications or how they're going to look at your data. So you just got to keep all of that in mind, you know, as we work through this program, they're constantly, the SBA does do a nice job of, of trying to keep up with all the FAQs and then publishing uh, you know, new responses and interpretations for folks and for us to follow. These are a lot of the programs that we have questions about. Uh, the SBA debt relief, uh, the SVO, so shuttered venue grant, right? These are all SBA sponsored programs, idle PPP, okay? So that it, it is a nice resource. But so to get back to the SBA and we're gonna talk PPP, uh, if you click on that link, they've, they've done a nice job of separating it between first and second draw folks forgiveness, okay, and some data that there is. So depending upon where you're at uh, in the process, first draw individuals are people that did not take advantage of the, the program last year. So the, the original PPP went into effect, you know, late March, early uh, April last year. There was a first round <clears throat> that went through June 30th. And then uh, there was an extension until August 8th, but you weren't allowed to apply twice. So you would have had an opportunity or it would have been funded during that time period. Then now, if you were coming back uh, as of January 11th, you would be considered a second draw applicant if you received funding last year. If for some reason you didn't accept the funds last year, maybe you applied, you went through the process, maybe you were deemed ineligible because you were a C6 or whatever, um, and you did not accept funds, then you would still be considered a first draw applicant coming into to this round. Um, some call it PPP 2.0 or 3.0 only because of that extension from last year. So don't get confused about <clears throat> the, this uh, timeline of it all. In essence, 2.0 is what we traditionally call it because it's, it's an opportunity to come back the second bite of the apple, to come back for additional paycheck protection program funds, okay? Other than that, I, you know, the program is fairly similar to last year, so that if you applied and you accepted uh, the, the funds last year, we're, we're being subjected, in essence, to the same scrutiny as far as um, FTEs or your full-time equivalencies, your um, wage reduction reports, you know, those types of things. Um, you can, I'd say, let's talk a little bit about some of the differences and what they did to help. Um, they wanted to eliminate some folks, their ability to gain access to second draw. How did they do that? Well, one, they eliminated uh, publicly traded companies. They reduced the employee headcount from 500 to 300. Okay. And then the, this is the other big piece here is you need to have shown a, or experience a reduction of 25% in top line gross revenue receipts between 2020 and 2019 one quarter's worth, okay? It's a calendar quarter, quarter, so either January, February, March. Most in California was Q2 
April, May, June. Okay, so my recommendation is if you're considering a second draw to have your, your P&L, your profit and loss, or at least your top line numbers sorted out by quarter for 2019 and 2020, so you can look to see the comparison. <clears throat> because in order to qualify for, for the second draw, at some point, you will have to prove it. Okay, you will have to submit documentation. Uh, some lenders are taking it up front through the application process. Others, depending upon the loan amount, 150000 and under, may only require it at forgiveness time. Um, more often than not, I'm seeing lenders asking for it up front. And so be, be prepared to have this documentation. For a nonprofit, and I'll make this, uh, this PDF available for you as far as how to calculate and how to go into uh, this for nonprofits, it's important to understand it. How do I uh, demonstrate at least a 25% reduction for a nonprofit? They, they've done a nice job. This is some of the FAQs being provided by the SBA and how to determine what that uh, what constitutes as top line revenue for a nonprofit. Okay, so it's important to, to understand where that top line revenue line item is, is coming from. It does not include idle. It doesn't include PPP funds from last year. Okay, so that stuff is not included in top line revenue items. So make sure you exclude that. So they have some examples between the 990, okay, 990 easy, um, and they some other definitions of what they would consider top line revenue that you would need to do some comparisons on to see if you qualified for a second draw. Crazy to think, if you only saw a 20% reduction in top line revenue, you're considered a success story. It's, I, I never thought I would say that as a business consultant that I get to applaud you for a 20% reduction in 2020, but unfortunately that's what they've determined. 25% um, uh, is, is the minimum that they want to see. And if I, just add, why, why, if I can just add while you're talking about that. So people, confusion around this for the second draw, if you choose the quarter, right? So maybe for, for nonprofits, right? You were going to hold a big event in the fourth quarter. You weren't able to do that. That's when you generated the, most of your funds. Um, if there's a 25% reduction in any one quarter, that's all you have to prove. It's not all four quarters. It's whichever fourth quarter or whichever quarter you choose that compares 2020 to what was done in 2019. So just make sure that you guys are clear on that. Yep. And um, once you, like I said, depending upon the lender, they're asking you to enter that information uh, per the, the SBA the, it's not supposed to, you're not supposed to have to provide the documentation to prove it until forgiveness. But like I said, some lenders are being preemptive and they're asking for those documentation up front only because they don't want to get into it later on. Uh, when you go to apply for forgiveness and suddenly you can't show um, that note may be called due, right? It may not be forgiven at all. Like there's other repercussions that would happen there. So they want to be sure that you can verify that 25% reduction. Now, if you're a first round, considered a first round borrower, uh, you do not have to show a 25% reduction, okay? So be very clear, if you did not take advantage of PPP last year, you only have to sign off that your business has been affected by COVID, okay? There's uh, no financial proof that you have to show. Uh, there's no you know, real burden of proof that you have to show. Just note that if you were audited, you'd need to be able to show it in some meaningful way. 
But as far as the application is concerned for first round borrowers, um, it, it's, it's not a financial, not necessarily, you know, a financial number that would deem you have been affected by COVID. Maybe you lost some customers, you lost venues, you lost uh, events, right? That may be enough for you to say, yes, uh, our business, our nonprofit has been affected by COVID, okay? And that's all you would need to be able to borrow or attest to. Um, the, the other first draws, it's 500 employees. Uh, you know, some of the other pieces that are still in place uh, for first draw folks. What's also interesting for this, this round of PPP is that you can ultimately choose between your 2019 payroll numbers, your 2020 payroll numbers, or 12 months prior to the application date. Okay, so it gives you a little bit of wiggle room to kind of pick and choose what's going to be uh, most beneficial for your business. So the recommendation would be to do the calculations, grab your payroll data from those three different time periods, and do a comparison. Just note that whatever period you choose, that is ultimately then how you're going to be graded uh, with regard to your coverage period moving forward. So 2019 might be a better year with regard to your wages that you've reported, but uh, your headcount might be twice of where you really are today. And so if you use your 2019 data, then you're going to be expected to be at the 2019 uh, full-time equivalency values. Um, wage um, comparison reports would have to be the same. Otherwise, you're going to get penalized when it came down to the forgiveness. So you have to be careful there. Uh, the loan amount might not be as high as 2000, uh, you know, if you use your 2020 numbers, but you have to be realistic ultimately about your headcount and about um, how people are getting paid. They don't have to be the same people. So ultimately, FTE, so the full-time equivalency, when they're looking at how people are being counted, it doesn't necessarily have to be the same people that were on payroll in 2019. You can hire new people, you can pivot. Um, that was a strategy a lot of businesses used last year, especially in the restaurant industry, when they're looking at having to spend that money and, and maybe not necessarily needing all the servers on, uh, on payroll. Well, they went back to their employee pool. They found hidden talents. You know, some of these folks were, were well-versed in social media or you know, how to navigate uh, you know, DoorDash or whatever, and they were able to bring them back in a different capacity. So, but again, you don't have to do that. You don't have to bring back the same people. You can actually hire new people when you're starting to look at your headcount. So it's an important piece of this when you're starting to think about uh, PPP. It is a loan, first and foremost, on the books until it's forgiven. So it needs to be treated that way. You need to treat it that, uh, what if we're not able to meet the requirements of uh, the, the headcount and, and how the wages and stuff are used? It is the same as last year as far as a 60-40 split. So this being the Paycheck Protection Program, they're asking that at least 60% of the loan funds uh, be used for payroll and payroll purposes, So, which could include some uh, group health. Uh, they added vision and dental um, and some life insurance as well. So they added, they expanded a little bit on how the, uh, the payroll and non-payroll compensation pieces can be used. Just note that everybody is capped at 100000 so when you're looking at your payroll reports, <clears throat> those folks that are compensated more than 100,000, you have to cap them. Um, and that is then the maximum that they could receive through uh, that coverage period based on a 100,000 annualized basis. 
This time around, that would include any sort of benefits. So last time, you could uh, have someone capped at 100,000 cash compensation, but then you could add other insurance and other benefits on top of it. Uh, this year, they've put a cap. And it's caused some confusion because folks are actually coming back for the second bite, but their loan amounts are less. Um, and that's been the primary reason if you're using the same data, the same 19 data is that they've had to um, exclude some of the benefits above and beyond 100,000. So um, it's just all things to, to kind of consider when you're putting these applications together. For the most part, uh, the two and a half times the average monthly payroll is going to be consistent. Uh, except for those business codes of 72, which I don't imagine any of you are maybe, I don't know, inter entertainment or not. But anyway, they, they made a special um, exception for business code 72, where they're at three and a half times their average monthly payroll, which is a nice bump for those businesses in that sector. And that, that's all hotel accommodation. You know, we, we know the sector has been pretty hard hit. So as of now, this is the only code, you know, we'll see whether if they ever expand on that. I'd like to see some other sectors in here as well. But uh, for now, that's uh, that's where we're at if we're looking at um, the second draw. First draw, folks, you're only at two and a half. Okay, there is no exception uh, for that, uh, the business type. Maximum of 10 million on a first draw. Uh, the second draw is uh, 2 million. There, there is a there is a little twist to that if you were funded, I believe within the last 90 days of you know, that of like Q4 2020, but for most folks, are you going to be limited to, to 2 million? So first step would be to, to download the, uh, the application form and, uh, and work through it. It's pretty, pretty straightforward. This number throws everybody, number of employees. Okay, this is not your FTEs. This is not your, uh, based on your payroll numbers, in essence, as it is just a headcount. This is just a box trying to determine if you have 300 or fewer employees. This is a straight headcount piece. So how many folks are currently employed um, part-time, full-time at the time of the application? That's all they're asking here, okay? Um, otherwise, again, doing your math, you'll have to figure out your average monthly payroll based on those three time periods that I talked about, 2020, 2019, or 12 months prior to the application date. Divide that out, take an average and multiply by two and a half. They do want some ownership. So even your nonprofit, someone's going to have to step up, you know, like you did before. Whether it's the president, somebody gets to put their name on this. And then ultimately uh, answer yes or no in some of these questions. So it is, it's very straightforward. Each lender's taken bits and pieces of this, you know, that they seem relevant. Some are asking for more documentation. They are scrutinizing them uh, to a greater extent this time around. Uh, they have real eyeballs, it seems to be on the applications. The SBA has taken two to three days now to review. Um, and along those same lines is that uh, the recommendation would be to not apply for forgiveness until you've completed round two and, and received your funding. Uh, only because what we're seeing is that if there's any hang up on your forgiveness application for round one, then they're putting a hold notice uh, on your app, your PPP 2.0 application. And you will not receive funding until you clean up uh, first round application for forgiveness. That being said, you do not have to apply for forgiveness or be forgiven to qualify for 2.0. 
And so everything that we're hearing strategy wise, it's like, okay, then I guess I'm going to wait, you know, let's get funding for 2.0. Then I'll circle back and work on forgiveness on, on my first application. Um, and, it, and it's kind of an inline step with uh, what we're seeing from the lenders. Many, many of the lenders uh, are still uploading the new forgiveness applications, which went live on the 19th of January. Okay, so just so you know, new forgiveness applications, they have brand new ones uh, that came out that each lender now has to update on their end. Uh, I'm seeing the large institutions like Chase and those guys were saying uh, the second week of February that they would finally start to be ready. So um, my recommendation really is to hold tight, focus on the PPP 2.0 application, get funded, and then come back. You have 10 months from the end of your coverage period to apply for forgiveness. So for most of you, end of the coverage period, 24 weeks, maybe puts you in October, maybe November. So it's 10 months from that time period you have until to apply for forgiveness. Um, some folks are asking, first draw, they change the periods which you can use the fund, funds. Uh, so what they changed is they've just changed the language around it. It's eight to 24 weeks now instead of eight or 24 weeks. It seems like uh, an insignificant change in, the, in language there, but it, it has great uh, repercussions in that how you see it. The, the issue was is folks were spending their money in 12 weeks, 15 weeks, but the previous language was written in a way that you were still held accountable 24 weeks out. And so it was causing a lot of confusion for folks that are like, I don't have any more money left. Like I spent it all, but now you're going to hold me accountable for the full 24 weeks. So they changed the, the verbiage to it to be eight to 24 weeks. So in essence, your coverage period is a minimum of eight weeks and a maximum of 24. And whenever you deem that you've spent all the PPP funds, that then is uh, considered your coverage period. And that's how you would then be graded when it comes to forgiveness time. Okay, so be clear, that is uh, the new language, eight to 24 weeks, okay? You wanna give us an update on the idle uh, extension? So a couple things about idle. Um, there's a, a misconception about what, uh, what the new funding for the idle really is. Uh, it is not an idle 2.0. Maybe, maybe you should explain what idle is for those who maybe okay. don't know. Of course. So idle, it's the economic injury disaster loan. Uh, it is open for nonprofits and for-profit companies. It is uh, a way, it is a loan, okay? There's nothing forgivable about the economic injury disaster loan as it is. You may have heard of the economic injury or idle advance, which is something totally separate. And I'll talk about that in a moment. So let's just talk about the loan itself. Uh, no fees on the loan, except for interest. 3.75% for for-profit, 2.75% for nonprofit businesses with a 12-month deferral and a 30-year amortization rate. So it, it's the best loan outside of, you know, Uncle Johnny that you can get, right? It, it is very straightforward. Um, there are some interesting um, statements that you have to adhere to with regard to the idle docs and how the money can be spent. It's meant for sales, general, and administrative type costs, uh, in essence, over a six-month period. So just so you understand, you don't ask for a loan amount from these folks, okay? When you go through the application process, it's going to ask you what your top line or gross revenue amount was pre-COVID, 
Okay, so 2019 to January 31st, 2020. Okay, so 12 months prior to COVID, what your top line gross revenue was, and then what your cost of goods were. Now, if you don't sell anything, you know, like widgets, it's kind of hard to, to, to maybe understand what your cost of service might be. Um, but you got to try and figure out ultimately, was there any sort of cost of goods or cost of service to doing or, or to generate that revenue? Because they're going to take those two numbers, they're going to subtract them from one another. So gross top line minus your cost of goods or service divided by 12 times six. That, that's the simple math of it. So what that was is, is about six months worth of operating expenses to try and help you. Um, it, it can be used for insurance. It can be used for outside of PPP. It can be used for rent, payroll. It can be used for utilities, uh, workers comp, which is not included in PPP. So a lot of different things that the idle could be used. There's no timeline in which to spend it. You can accept it, have it sit in an interest bearing business account. Uh, and sit on it for a little bit. You know, I saw it as very cheap business insurance with the uncertainty of COVID. I thought it, you know, I recommended folks go through the process seeing there was no upfront fees to take it. Um, and with the 12 month deferral, I gave you an opportunity to kind of sit on it and wait and see. You can always give it back and just pay the interest that you're accruing every month. So this is done directly through the Fed, covid19relief.sba.gov. Okay, we'll drop that in there. While you're doing that, I'll be a nonprofit translator for a minute. So mm -hmm. for those organizations that have a lot of earned income streams, like, for example, they get contracts or they have ticket sales of uh, uh, a performing arts venue or something like that, the, this would be a good thing for them because they can quantify exactly what their losses are. But for somebody who is a lot of their, their income is donated, this might be more difficult to do then. Is that correct? Yeah, it can be. I mean, it's still, you, at some point, you're still separating out what your top line revenue, where what your revenue was in 2019. Um, the challenge for a lot of nonprofits and service-based or, uh, organizations is trying to figure out what a cost of sales or a cost of goods would be. Um, it can be zero. I mean, if everybody's just flat salary, you know, there's no commissions paid on, you know, generating revenue or anything. I mean, it, it is, it, cost of service could be zero. That's but not if, an inappropriate number. If I'm a homeless shelter and I know what my cost per service is in terms of giving a bed out for the night and, and food for a homeless person for one night, mm -hmm. that's easily quantifiable. And I can use that as regardless yeah. of what my income is, I can use that as what I'm, what I'm losing. Yes. But so he, here's the thing though, you, you actually want your cost of goods or cost of service to be low because they're subtracting it from your top line revenue. I see. So if, if I'm running a deficit between those numbers, now I'm not including my fixed monthly operational costs, okay? That's the distinction. I'm not rolling in rent and, and other salaried positions, you know, that, that does, that's not included in my cost of service or cost of goods. I um, okay, so it's so really for the administrative costs, which is great for us, because a lot of times people want to give us program grants and we can't ever cover the administrative costs. Got it. Okay. That's good. That's good. So, I like yeah. that. so there's some opportunities there. Now, right now it's capped at 150,000. So you, you, it's uh, just where it's at. There just isn't the funding to get people more than that. But uh, it's you know, a 15, 20 minute application. 
it's, it's again, worthwhile. You, you can always say no. Uh, somebody will have to put their name and social security number on it though. You know, so whether that's a president or not, I mean, this is, uh, it's an SBA, it's SBA loan. They're going to want someone to be responsible for it uh, as an individual. So um, part of that process now, so what happened was, is that the, the new CARES Act piece uh, allocated another $20 billion to, to help uh, with what was called originally an idle advance, but it's now this targeted piece. I, I'm getting kind of in the weeds on this stuff. The, I guess more importantly, what I want to make clear is that if you took an idle out before, this is not a second round or a second opportunity to ask for additional funding through idle. More importantly is if folks did not take advantage of this program, they did extend the application to the end of this year. And I would recommend even nonprofits to take a look at it and see if it's appropriate. It is debt. So in my opinion, it should be part of the grand scheme of things, you know, to make sure that at the end of it, we're just not left with a loan. You know, I need to have it part of my recovery plan to show that, you know, I, I just need another six months, you know, in order to close the gap because it is debt. It's debt on the books. You'll have to repay it. Um, the, but it's a very the, low, it's a very low oh, interest loan. 2.75% for nonprofits amortized over 30 years. So from a cash flow perspective, like I said, it's the best, it's the best you're going to yeah, get. It's almost it's, negligible. And I think for, you know, 150,000, most, uh, most organizations, their, their administrative costs is about 15%. So that's a million dollar organization. That's, that would cover most organizations in Orange County. That's great. Mike, do you have some information on the second round of the COVID relief grants for us? I do. Yeah. So, yeah, you know, and I, I guess I would say, you know, keep this in mind. There, there's really only two programs that the SBA is offering right now. Shuttered Venues is on its way, but there's PPP, which is really meant to pay for your current employees. There's IDLE, which is a long-term kind of way to look at some, some long-term funding, you know, for, for your business or for your nonprofit that can last a very long time. You know, just to give you a for example, you know, if you were to able, if you were to receive hundred thousand dollars, two point seven five percent. I mean, you know, you're you're basically looking at about a three hundred and fifty four hundred dollar payment every month to cover that hundred thousand dollars over 30, 30 year period. You can pay it off early if you want, but we don't know how long COVID's going to last, right? I mean, I think we all thought eight weeks, and here we are almost a year later. So I think it's 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 a safe bet. You know, I took it. I have three different businesses. I took it for each one. And I want to give it back. I keep wanting to give it back, but I'm also smart enough. Craig, Craig keeps telling me, just hold on to it because we don't know what's going to happen, right? And even though we can pay our rent today, there's no guarantee that in six months, we're still going to be able to pay our rent. So, you know, I well, think you're smart to, to hold on to it. And that loan is almost lower than the cost of living. So <laughs> absolutely, <laughs> right? <laughs> that's a good deal. Yeah, to get a business loan right now, I mean, you know, if you had a credit paper, we're looking at seven to 9%, right? So this is, this is this is like a mortgage rate, right? I mean, this is crazy, you know, where it's at. So yeah, we'll see who has to pay it back. Can you guys see the screen? California Relief Grant? Hold up. Yes, yes. So the careliefgrant.com is where you're going to go to apply. If you applied in the first round, which ended uh, January 13th, you are automatically put into the second round. Um, if you didn't apply, this is open to nonprofits, 501c3, six is 19s. Um, you will have to do some things that are a little unique um, that that some nonprofit directors aren't always keen on doing, but you will have to put your social security number. They will do a soft credit pull if you happen to receive the grant, right? Right now there is roughly $500 million set aside for this program. Um, first round, they, they allocated 237 million of it. 
The second round, which ends on February 8th, it will be another 237 million. Um, it's the state's money going through what's called Lendistry, who is a community development financial institution. I will walk you through this if you need some help with it. Um, outside of this, it's a little, there's some nuance to it. There's been a lot of technology issues. Um, there were 350,000 applications in the first round, uh, just so you guys are aware. So if you do the math of 475 million roughly divided by on average $15,000, you can figure out how many grants they have to give out, which I'll let you do the math um, on that. Let me just roll down to some of the basic pieces of this. The, the first part is how much do you qualify for, right? So there are very specific lines that I will take you to as on a 990. You can also use the 990 EZ or the post stamp, the postcard, right? I think it's what for, for nonprofits. So you may not even have what your, what your annual revenue was. It's perfectly fine. They'll take any one of those three. But if you, if you did between $1,000 and $100,000 in your 2019 uh, gross revenue line, uh, you, you, you are eligible for a $5,000 grant. If you did anywhere from $100,000 to a million, you're eligible for $15,000. And anywhere from a million up to $2.5 million, you're eligible for $25,000. It's that amount. It's not somewhere in between. It's either five, fifteen, dollars or 25000 If you did over $2.5 million, unfortunately, you're not eligible for this. That is how the state has deemed their, their qualification for a small business for this. Um, just some basic eligibility standards. You have been in business at least prior to June 1st, 2019. Um, you, you have to have an operating plan if your business, if you happen to be closed, don't worry about any of that. You know, I guess the thought is you're still going to open if you happen to be closed right now. Um, and you have to apply your taxes. So you're going to supply your 990s, uh, a copy of, you know, of either your articles of incorporation for you guys, you know, certificate of organization or your, your designation, your 501c6 three or 19 designation, any one of those things would be fine. And then a government ID for whoever is filling out this application. So most likely it's going to be the director uh, that would fill You can have a board member, that's up to you guys to choose, you know, who, who fills this out. But again, that person is putting their, their social security number on this and their, and their contact information for this. Um, pretty straightforward, the actual piece of this. Um, when we get into nonprofits, uh, Churches and religious institutions are not eligible, but if you happen to run a, a school out of a church and that school has its own 501c3, 6, or 19 designation, they would be eligible for this. So a couple different pieces to it. Uh, to apply for this, and let me just kind of take you to, I apologize if I'm making you sick. Um, it's going up and down, but the application is all done right here. It's all, it's all on this portal. And so you're gonna roll down and you're gonna go right, apply through a partner and you're gonna go by county or by language, probably easiest by county. I'm gonna assume everybody on this call is from Orange County. So I will choose Orange County for this. So you're gonna go into Orange County. Now it doesn't matter which partner, the state wanted you to realize that there are resources here for you for this grant and outside of this grant. So they, they ask you to apply through one of these partners. None of us are getting paid to do this. It's just so that you're aware. So it doesn't matter which one you choose, um, but I'll choose the SBDCs for this purpose. So it'll make us look better. Maybe we'll get an extra number here. Uh, apply here. Once you do that, you're in the same portal and same queue as everybody else. Doesn't matter from this point. You're going to go into here. So find the right grant that fits your business needs. You click here to apply. Now, this is where nonprofits and for-profits have gotten stuck. So two different sides to this. The left-hand side, you're going to see right here, it says for-profits. And right over here, it says for nonprofits. That is the only distinction, unfortunately. Um, so once you click here for nonprofits, if you happen to be one, now my contact information, and I don't, I don't think I ever agreed to give them my actual contact information, but I honestly received 20,000 emails 
um, from December 23rd to January 2nd, I had to have Cal State Fullerton reset my email. Um, so I'm upset people because I didn't answer their, their questions. But you can definitely email me and I will get you or call me. Um, and I'll, I'll put my contact information so you can call me directly on my cell phone. Um, click on apply now and it's gonna take you right into the application. This is where you fill in your information and there's six different pieces to this. There are videos that you can watch, super simple. Once you get to this basic application, it'll take you about 15 minutes. The bigger questions that it's gonna ask you are, it's gonna compare your quarter two and three sales or gross revenue from 2020 to 2019. Um, and it's gonna ask you a couple questions, just so you are aware, they did not make this for a nonprofit, right? So the questions that you're going to answer do not make any sense for a nonprofit because it's gonna say, who's the business owner? And so you're gonna put, I'm the business owner. We know that that's not the case. It's gonna ask about percentage ownership. You're gonna put zero. Um, there's some, some questions in here and I can, do we have time? You want me to go through the, the application real quick, Zoot? Is it the same as the last one? It's the same. Yeah, yeah, it hasn't changed. I, I don't, I don't know uh, if people need all that because we, we just did a webinar on it about a week ago, but. Um, you got um, it. So yeah. I'll put my information here. If you guys need help individually, um, I could, I could, I'll walk you through it and I'll give you my cell phone number. Actually, this is Craig's number. Just don't tell him I'm putting it in. The key thing that people should remember that I remember from the last time you did this is to make sure you click on the nonprofit, not the for-profit side. Yep. And where it says business owner, you're going to put your personal information, your personal social security number, which is weird that it asks that. And yeah. it's and it's industry site. So you're always weird about, oh, this isn't the government, but you have to do that. And, um, and, and that person can be anyone uh, from the board president to the executive director, who, whoever's doing the application, but somebody's, somebody has to be responsible for it, correct? Absolutely. You got it. You didn't even need me here. You, you could have done this. <laughs> <laughs> I learned. I learned from you. <laughs> so like I said, the, the first part shouldn't take you very long. There are, there are really four documents you're going to upload. Again, it is a certification that's on here that I will, um, let me go back to it, a certification that you have to fill out. Just click here to apply. It's right here. You can download the form and you just uh, re repopulate it. The government issued ID for who's ever filling it out. So your driver's license uh, or some, some other government issued ID. Uh, your tax return, so your 990EZ. If you're a, if you're a for-profit, a sole profit, 1099, uh, S-Corp, LLC, partnership. It, it's really any of those will, will satisfy this. Um, and then you're going to need uh, application certification. And then there's one other document that they would like to see. Now, there are a lot of businesses that maybe there are no certifications or professional licenses or permits that you need. That is okay. There's a box to click in. But if you happen to have any of these, like proof of federal tax exemption, articles of incorporation, DBA, government issued business license, you do not put in any bank information in the first round. If you're selected, then you put in your bank information. Um, history is a community development financial institution. If you've never heard that term, they're basically a community bank and lender. And so they've been chosen by the state of California to administer this, this grant program. Um, and like I said, it's five, 15 and $25,000. There are roughly 4.2 million small businesses and nonprofits in the state of California, and they'll have about 50 to 60,000 grants to go out. So if you applied in the first round, you should not be applying in the second round, correct? Correct. If you applied in the first round, you should have received an email from Lendistry saying that you've, you've submitted all your documents. You do have the ability to go back in and make sure it's all there. You shouldn't. If they gave you an email confirmation, that they automatically put you in the second round. Okay. So this is just a second chance for those who didn't get in on the first round. 
Right. Now, with that being said, the, the governor has asked to put an additional $575 million into this. And so if that happens, then there'll probably be a third round and a fourth round. Um, now, just so you guys are aware, the, the total ask for the first round was $4 billion. So for a $475 million program. So obviously there's not enough money in here for the state of California and all the small businesses and nonprofits. So the hope is, is that they continue to put more money, but you know, it's, it's there, it's a grant opportunity that will probably take you about 25 minutes to, to do. So I'll leave it up to you guys if you want to do that, but feel safe and secure. This isn't, your information isn't going anywhere. Um, but Okay, so. last but not least, what, what information do you have for us on the shuttered venue operations grant? Yeah, so it's still being built right as, as we speak but it's it's to cover your 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 lost revenue up to 45 2019 lost revenue if you're you know uh, any any type of admission that that you have um you, you, the hard part here is that you can't oh i think we lost craig oh he's pulling it up you cannot get ppp and shuttered venues and so there's a lot of disconnect because they're not telling people that up. they're telling people but people are still confused so it's eligible so live venue operator, really so, so that means it, that means if you are a theater and you applied and received the first round of PPP, you can't get shuttered venue. No, if you well, we don't know for sure on the first round, but for sure the second round. Yeah, for first round you're okay. It's, it was as of uh, December twenty seventh, I believe, was the last day for funding. So it, we're okay on first round. It's the second round, folks. That uh, they've published some FAQs. I recommend if anybody thinks they're eligible or want to know more. Okay, the SBA did publish some FAQs, which, you know, um, is, is subject to interpretation on some of these pieces. You know, questions five and six are the ones that talk about whether you can apply, who's eligible, what happens if you apply, you know, ultimately whether you've received funding for PPP. We, we don't have an application yet. So that's our biggest issue is that we don't even know how to apply. Applications are not open they're still determining who's truly eligible and how you're going to prove eligibility. So a lot of big holes yet. Uh, which well, that's, a, that's a big thing though, for us to know, because um, there's a lot of arts organizations particularly that are probably thinking about applying for the second round of PPP and it's good mm -hmm. for them to know to hold off. There'll be a better opportunity. Well, that's where we want them to do the math, right? So if it's 45% of their gross revenue for 2019, what would they be getting from PPP? And that's where you have to do the calculation to see what's, if they're, if they're close, I would say take the PPP. If they're far off, I would say wait. My, my only concern on, on waiting is that if all of a sudden Shutter Venues doesn't turn out to be the right program, there's a likelihood that there won't be enough PPP for you to still apply for. Mm. You know, wow, now so maybe they'll put more money into it. It's, it's, it's awful that they put people in this position to have to choose but not give you all the information, right? So yeah. that, that's where we're at right now with this. So we're telling now, people, the, yeah, no, go for it. The, 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 now that they've tried to determine eligibility type. So they have excluded temporary venues. Um, you know, so you had to have fixed seating, you know, restaurants with live entertainment didn't count, you know, so I mean, they, they're trying to spell it out, but I have yet to, to truly see ultimately how you're going to prove eligibility on some of it. So yet, yet to be determined on some of this. Yeah. And it's a brand new program, right? So they're just building it. This came out December 27th. Well, that's good information, though. I think that'll help a lot of people to know that you have to kind of uh, pick one or the other. Yeah. Not. Yeah. So 
the hope here is that your gross revenue is a lot higher in 2019 than, than you would get for two and a half of two and a half months of PPP, but necessarily so. Well, I think if you're a, a live theater, that's not going to be hard to prove. Right. Yep. I agree. Yeah. yeah. Caesar. Thank you, Craig. I appreciate it. And thank you, Mike, for doing this. And thank you all for coming, Mike. Thank you for, for presenting this and giving people another shot at the new things that are coming out. Uh, you're always a wealth of knowledge, and I appreciate the partnership. Absolutely. Thank you. Best of luck with everybody. If you need our help, just let me know. Thank you to the Gene Eschy Center for Nonprofit Research, California State University, Fullerton, and the College of Business and Economics for supporting our podcast. Our supporters include the Orange County Community Foundation, Southern California Gas Company, and you, our listeners. Thanks for the music provided to us by the California-based Brazilian Coro Ensemble, Grupo Falso Baiano. Have a great week, free from BS. Music